0: Wonder if anyone or any of the children remembers the name of the three men in the Bible who refused to bow before the golden image of the king or the golden image that the king had made. Do you remember the names? It was Daniel's friends. Well done, Daniel's friends. Do you remember what their names were? Yeah, you, you've got them right. Does anyone remember their friends' names? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Did you know, in the eyes of the world, they were considered rebels because they defied King Nebuchadnezzar But in the eyes of God, they were precious. They had a living hope. God kept them from all danger. Like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, believers have a living hope in this broken world. We are pilgrims. We are sojourners. We are simply people passing by joyfully heading towards the promised land which has been secured by Christ Jesus the Lord. Praise his name. Praise his name. Are you walking in hope? Are you walking in that hope? Yes. Praise the Lord. The Bible says repent and be baptised i would be watching you, young lady. Yes, (laughs) praise the Lord. Are you living a godly life? How should believers live in this world which rejects the message or the good news of the gospel? Well, the summary of this message is Christians in this hostile world bring glory to God by their godly conduct in society. Christians Christians in this hostile world bring glory to God by their godly conduct in society. And so we will be reading from 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, to um, 1 Peter 3, verse 7. So if you can open up your Bibles and have it ready there, we will be going slowly through that portion of scripture, uh, verse by verse, and we will consider that one main message. Now, in order to keep things easy, I thought of just keeping everything under the one heading, Uh, the one heading, which is godliness. That's godliness within the social order, godliness. But I have two subheadings, and those are godliness under the civil government, and godliness under the household government. Those are the two subheadings. And then I will conclude with a brief word of exhortation for us all. Now, to those of of you who think that sermons must have three points, you can think of the two subpoints and the (coughs) exhortation as three points. Let us pray. Father, we come before you. In the name of Jesus Christ, praying that you may be with us as we open up your word, that you may speak to us. That opinions of mere man may be left aside and that you, O Lord, be the one who speaks to us. Lord, change us, including me. Transform us, Lord, and give us the power of your Spirit, the ability to do what you want us to do. Father, open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Believers are pilgrims, travellers in this broken world. Yet we don't go in caravans and so. But we are pilgrims. We are passer-by. We're like the people of Israel in the Old Testament who were going through the desert towards the promised land. We have a living hope And that living hope is secured by God and is ready to be revealed in the very last time when Christ Jesus is revealed, when Christ Jesus returns. Meanwhile, as we journey, we are to first fight the sinful desires of our flesh. We are to fight the sinful desires of our flesh because sin in our journey will cause great spiritual harm. To you, your family, those around, sin will cause great spiritual harm. This is why Peter tells his suffering Christian friends with great love and great urgency. Look at verse 11. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. You see, these Christians were suffering Christians. They were going through quite a lot of suffering. People were accusing them for doing many things. They were considered to be rebels. They were seen as disloyal to Caesar, the emperor. So he tells them in verse 12, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honourable so that when they speak evil, sorry, they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. In other words, even as unbelievers accuse you and they see your God conduct, good conduct, they will glorify God when he visits them. And this, I believe, is in the, means, in the in the way of showing grace. In other words, when they see the grace of God and become alive in Christ, they will look back and say, praise be to God for my brothers and sisters who followed the Lord, either in mercy or perhaps in judgment in the final day. My dear brothers and sisters, God wants you and me to be godly. 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 Not according to human standards, but godly according to god 's standards, our godliness brings glory to god i 'll repeat that again: our godliness brings glory to God, and the first area in which Peter wants to tap in because we 're looking at godliness within society, the first area that Peter wants to to talk about in this in, in, in the, for the suffering Christians is Uh, He wants them to be godly under the civil government. The Bible teaches that the civil authorities have been instituted by God. Romans chapter 13 reminds us that the civil authorities have been placed by God for the punishment of evil and the rewarding of those who do good. In sin, however, man distorts the limits that God has set. When those in power extend their tentacles beyond that of God's intention, they become tyrants. But a ty- tyranny is far better than anarchy. Think about it. We would f- we- fare far better in a wicked ty- tyrant government. Than in anarchy, when anyone could just come and knock your door and ransack your house and do what they please without any fear. Bad governments at least show some form of order. Order. So, Peter, this is why Peter says to them in verse 13 and 14, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Peter wants believers for, for them to be subject to the governing authorities. He knows that our first reaction as Christians, even as human beings, when we, when we receive bad treatment, the first thing is we want to seek revenge or we want to retaliate. So he tells them to be subject. The Greek word for to be subject means to arrange under or to subordinate. Subordinate. Put yourself in the right order under the governing authorities. This is more than just obedience. Many say, the Bible says you must obey that. No, it says, submit. And obedience is included within that submission. But there is a big difference between submission and obedience. Think about that. I know once a real life story of a family who went to uh, to dinner. Uh, Two parents and a child. And as they were there sitting, uh, the little girl, who was just about able to stand, she would stand up and, uh, on the chair and Dad would say, like, sit down. And she would sit down and then stand up again and I'm telling you to sit down. And she would not do as she's told and on and on until the father said firmly, you need to sit down or else. And so the little girl sits down and crosses her arms and says to her father, I'm sitting in the outside. But I'm standing in the inside. <laughs> Clever girl. She she knew the distinction between obedience and submission. She was not submissive, but obedient. To be subject involves a heartfelt attitude of willingly placing oneself under the civil authorities. Let me ask you a question. Does that mean that we are submit to the governing authorities in everything they say? No, Absolutely not. That would make them to be the absolute authority. And they are not. There are times when civil disobedience becomes our Christian duty. So does that mean that I can pick and choose which rules I want to obey and which rules I do not want to obey? No way. Because that would make me to be the one who with absolute authority determining what is good and what is wrong. So how can we know? Let's consider the Christian believers in the time of Peter. Many today mistakenly think that the Christians then were killed by the Romans because of religious reasons. But that is not the case. Christians were not murdered because they were religious in some form or they believed in Jesus Christ. That that is not true. For the Romans, Christians were rebels. For the Romans, they were being killed as civil disobedient people. As far as the Romans were concerned, you could worship whomever you wanted to worship. You could worship Zeus, you could worship uh, Neptune, you could worship whomever you wanted. You could have no gods if you so pleased. But there was one thing you had to say, and that is Caesar is Lord. And no believer in Jesus Christ could say, Caesar is. Lord, Some would argue, well, it's just mere words. I don't believe it from the heart. No, Christians were willing to lay their lives and to die being thrown into the the lions, burnt, crucified. They refused. They disobeyed. They would not submit. Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. Even though Caesar considered himself to be the absolute authority, when this was written, God gave him limits to punish evil, to reward good. God gave Caesar or the governing authorities the sword. Caesar doesn't, ha- doesn't have the ability. He, he, doesn't, he, he can't redefine what is good or evil because God has already defined what's good and evil. So, when Caesar wants believers to do something which is wrong, we are to do good and accept the consequences. Look at verse 15 this is the will of God that by doing good, you should put the silence, the ignorance of foolish people. That would involve neighbours, friends, family, even, even the governing authorities. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. God wants us to do good as we submit. God wants us to submit while doing good. We live at a time when the state has now redefined marriage. Even the basic biological facts of what it is to be a man and to be a woman is still there on the question. We live at a time when The state is killing babies in the name of health. The state is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. Today we live in a time of soft tyranny. Leviathan is raising up his ugly head and his tentacles are invading every area of our society. The state is slowly creeping into and taking over the responsibilities that God has handed to the family. God has given to the family the responsibility for education, for health and welfare, and even economy. Why so many Christians trust the state as Lord and Savior is beyond me. Jesus is Lord. And then there's COVID. I've only had personal conversations here and there and, and not stood here speaking out of what I believe is true. And what I'm about to say, I'll be saying some things that some of you might find it very uncomfortable to hear. But in the same way that you are to sit there opening the Bible and checking to see whether everything that I am saying is true, you, you, because you ought to do that like the Bereans did when Paul was preaching, they opened the Bible to see whether whether he was saying was true. Likewise, I, I, I urge you to listen to the state and see whether everything that you are that we are being told is true. Because if your pastor who is still a man, yet a a, a, a A a, a called by God, a son of God, to teach you, to instruct you, to guide you, and yet you question. We ought to question the state, for they fear not God. They do not fear God. Our state's prophets, the scientists, Keep enchanting our rulers with their failed predictions. And the damage to our society due to lockdown has been far greater than the good that they promised. Abandoned widows, the hike of deaths for failed medical interventions, increased suicides, mass paranoia, which is endemic in our society now. Paranoia. Job losses for not taking an experimental vaccine, which, by the way, has not done what it promised to do at the beginning. They promised it would do something and it's never done it. I am not giving you my opinions, I am speaking the truth. It's a record. Stats, figures, and so on. And then the introduction of vaccine passports. And the most insidious of them all. Masks. Caesar is not Lord. Jesus is Lord. And Savior, where is the church? Where is the church that stands firm in the truth instead of promoting more lies? The Lord calls us to be subject to them, and we will do so gladly while even praying for them. But the Lord calls us, the church, to do good but good not as what we think or good as what the state thinks, good what God has established. And while we do so with God's help, we are to treat unbelievers with respect and recognition while actively loving God's people as we fear God Almighty. Look at verse 17. Honor everyone right on the basis Love the brotherhood. Next step up. Fear God. Next step up. Honour the emperor. It is not up. It is right down at the basis as everyone else because even the emperor is deserving of honour. The first area of our society in which Peter wants his friends, Christians, to be godly is under the civil government. The second area where he wants them to be godly is under the household government. Household government. The Greek word for household is from the Greek for economy. O it is the place where work happens in the household. It wasn't like today where people would go to work to big corporations. Each family had their own trade. There were shepherds or farmers, carpenters, etc, etc. And I believe in a sense that we should go back to household economy. In Roman times, there were many slaves. Uh, Slaves were part of the household economy. But they were unlike the 17th century slaves that we uh, hear of more recently. Uh, Those 17th century slaves were kidnapped and sold. and, And that is wrong. The Bible is against kidnapping. Yet the Romans used or had slaves... In a very different way, that these slaves had rights. Many were doctors, teachers, professionals, etc., etc. They were more like servants, but they were bound to the household. They could buy their own freedom, but they, was, they, they, they had to remain slaves, or they could buy the freedom, but many opted to remain as slaves. Especially when, when they had a, a good status within the society by being slaves of a certain particular family who would be well off. Some would voluntarily seek, seek slavery because they would be in debt and it would be easier and better for them and the family to go into slavery voluntarily. And, sad, uh, and, and others, on the other hand, became slaves as a result of or the consequence of war. Sadly, Many slaves were mistreated and many slaves were also beaten. So Paul writes to the slaves, to the believers in Jesus Christ who would be under ungodly authority. Many evil masters would want their slaves, Christian slaves, to do evil. Or perhaps even to worship their, their, their other gods. And so Peter knows that while they are doing good and they remain remaining doing good in God's eyes. It will result in whipping and beating. So he reminds them, verse eight, 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God One endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are bitten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to these you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps." Nowadays, we don't have slaves, but we have employees. And many employers are evil. Yes, I know, if there's an evil employer, now it's easy to simply just quit the job and get another job. It is very different, as it used to be back in the day. But let me ask you this question. Should a Christian should submit to his evil boss? Someone said no, someone says yes. Yes, they are to submit to their evil boss, but in everything? No, not in everything. Depends. It depends. Christians are to submit, but not in everything. Should a Christian participate in promoting lies? No. What if he's beaten for it? Well, now you just call the police. Back in the day, was a different thing. Even though employees have many rights, mistreatments still happen. Injustices get done. Cover-ups occur. And many believers suffer while doing what is right. Peter says, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Mary Onuoha was a nurse who was discriminated against uh, and victimised for wearing a small cross. She was a nurse. She would be working for the NHS. To to, to her, this cross was a way of of sharing, of, of, of making aware of her faith, of being open about her faith, about Jesus Christ with people around her. She was asked to remove it until she lost her job she had to endure two years of a campaign by her superiors against her two years just a few weeks ago the employment tribunal ruled in her favor slaves submit to your masters or employees Submit to your employers in everything as long as they don't ask you or you don't are called to do what is not good. You need to remain doing good. So submit while doing good. If you suffer from do, for doing good, it is a gracious thing in the sight of God. But now Peter moves to wives because within the household... Um, There there would also be family. When God established the household at the beginning of creation, he first made man and out of man he made woman. The husband is the head of the wife. This is God's institution. This means that he is ruler, keeper, protector and provider. He's called to love his wife as Christ loved the church that he gave himself up for her. But Peter knows that in the Roman household, many would be, perhaps, women, wives, would be converted under an ungodly, unconverted husband within a household. And, 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 and it was very rare that a woman would follow a different God than the household gods. And so, naturally, she would... Suffer Some pagan men would no doubt make them do uh, things that they didn't want to do or they shouldn't do. So Peter tells them, chapter 3, verse 1. Likewise, wives, be subject. Again, that word, be subject to your own husbands. He doesn't say to every husband. He doesn't say to all men. Wives, be subject to your own husbands. So that even if some do not obey the word, unbelievers, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. A a goodly, a godly wife, a Christian wife who is godly, who follows God will suffer they may win their husbands by their godly submission. But wives do not naturally gravitate towards submission. I know that because the Bible says it so. The Bible teaches that as a result of the fall, there is tension. God's curse included conflict in the home, power struggle the wife wanting to lead to rule to govern her husband but no that is not what god intended that is not what god wants and so peter calls wives to be subject not just in the outside like the little girl who was standing on the inside but from the heart submission brings the home in order a home with two heads would be a monster. But, husbands, you cannot make your wife submit. It doesn't quite work like that. You cannot buy fours and burn and words and. You, you cannot. Submission is an attitude from the heart, and that is not of your part. It is. It is her part. God calls them to submit. Uh, Don't worry, husbands, I'll come back to you in just a moment. But a wife who knows her true beauty is one who invests in the hidden person of her heart. Look at verse three. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair and the putting of And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. My dear friends, submission has nothing to do with value. Submission has everything to do with order. God wants wives to willingly order themselves under their husbands, under his leadership. wives are no less valuable than their husbands. It is not about value, it is about order. Think, Think of the Trinity, the Godhead, the Father, Son and Holy Spirit. They're three different persons, yet one God, equal in power and glory. Yet the Father plans. The Son of God submits to the Father and voluntarily acts and accomplishes salvation for believers. And the Holy Spirit of God is sent by the Father and the Son and applies salvation to believers. One is not lower in value than the other. The are three persons, yet one God. Now, when it comes to husband and wife, submission doesn't mean that you need to agree in everything. If an unbelieving husband says to his wife, I don't want you to go to church, it's wrong. Because the Bible commands believers to not forsake the gathering of the saints and so she should disobey and go. Abuse and vile treatment must be called out. No one should be treated as a doormat. When things like this happen, Separation would be in order and it would be even a temporary, temporary period is, is, is important. Good and healthy and right. But all the way, throughout the ordeal, her conduct and attitude should be of that of a godly woman while looking unto Jesus, even in her suffering or affliction. This Is a gracious thing in the sight of God. And finally, within the household, husbands. Peter now turns to believing husbands. He wants to make sure that they too are godly towards their wives. Wives are special. They're very special. But God has made them different to men. God has equipped men for greater physical work while women are better equipped for nurture and care. We both are different emotionally, physically, and in the delegated authority we are different. But yet, God has ordered it this way. And so husbands, husbands, Listen to verse 7. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honour to the woman as the weaker vessel. I think of the china at the, in the house. You, you, you have your, 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 your china. You, you, you don't put the china in a... In a, in a in a under the bed, or, or in, a, in out in the shed, you go and put it in the in the best place in your house and show and display, and you look after it and care for it. Why? Because, because it's special and and and, and is important for certain and um, uses. And likewise, the wife, treated her as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life. And then there's a promise, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Mm -hmm. Husband, you know one of the reasons why your prayers may not be answered? If you treat your wives not in an understanding way. Mm -hmm. If you fail to treat them as God wants you to treat them, God will disassociate for some time to teach you the hard way. And he won't answer your prayers. So as we close to an end, as we bring this and wrap it up. Before Jesus Christ parted, before Jesus Christ went to glory, he spoke to his disciples and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth therefore go and make disciples of all nations how Baptizing them and teaching them. As disciples of Jesus Christ, as we go forth proclaiming Christ, making disciples, we are to teach the nations what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, which involves also teaching our governing authorities what it means to, to do right and what it means, what, what wrong means and what right means. It means teaching the nations and in the process. The Lord is bringing his people to himself and the Lord is bringing the society into order. As we Christian believers bring our households into godly order as God wants it. As we model what it means to be submissive to our governing authorities while yet doing what is good. The Lord God is glorified. This is what Peter wants them to know. They want, he wants them to, to be godly within the social order because this is God's call to believers. Godliness under the civil government and godliness under the household government. Why? Christians in this hostile world bring glory to God by their godly conduct in society. So now, just very briefly, my, my exhortation to you. When you are suffering for doing what is right, remember Jesus. When you are reviled or mistreated with false accusations, remember Jesus. When you are insulted or belittled for walking in the truth, remember Jesus. When people around you forsake you and turn their backs, remember Jesus. When the state cries out, crucify them, remember Jesus. And Let us read the last part that I skipped in chapter 2, verse 24, 22 to 25. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Amen. Father, we pray and we come before you. Praying that you may help us, Lord, to be a people changed as you want us to be, O oh, Father. Help us and enable us for your glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen just have a few books that I would like to encourage you to read if you can uh, or recommend. A Christian Manifesto by Francis Schaeffer. You could see many of the changes in our society in the 80s. And amazing the amount of stuff that has happened in a sense and is still happening today. Slay Leviathan by Glenn Sunshine is an, a really a really good historical account of Christian obedience and civil disobedience within the context of, of standing for what is true and what is right. Limited government and resistance in the Christian tradition. And finally, a very old classic um, by a, uh, not a real author, but this is just a pseudonym, Junius Brutus, vindice Contra Tyranus, which is uh, a defense of liberty against tyrants. And this has a, all throughout the scripture, you can see many examples in the Bible of Christian believers who resisted uh, the entrenchments of of, of tyranny. So I I encourage you to read through that. Now, I I usually don't do this, but uh, do you have any questions or anything you would like clarification on? Or worry. Mm-hmm. Yes, Arta. Any books you could recommend for a godly Christian marriage? Yes, uh, absolutely. I've got many. Uh, by uh, Douglas Wilson. Uh, Reforming Marriage is, is really good. Reforming Marriage by Doug Wilson. Uh, he's, he's really good when it comes to family. And uh, I've got a few others as well, brother, that I can let you borrow. and uh, No problem. Yes, well done, Arta. Don't be shy. Yes? not really a question, but I just want to say thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. just want to thank Yeah. 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 yeah statement. Yeah. Yeah. Praise yeah. God. And rest assured of our prayers, Tina, as uh, uncertainty, at least for the next week and weeks and months to come, uh, in light of of that vaccine mandate. Yeah. I believe there's some food. Yeah. And uh, let us stand and sing our last hymn and then we shall close in prayer. The grace of God has reached for me and pulled me from the raging sea.